Well, good morning, Life Church. How is everybody doing today? Wasn't that awesome this morning? Did you just sense the presence of God here this morning? That we serve a living God that's here with us now, and He's moving and He's working in us. I want to welcome you here this morning. Again, if it's your first time, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, you're so welcome here, and we're so glad that you're here. My name is Matt Jansen. I am one of the pastors here at Life Church. And this morning, I'm excited because I get the opportunity for the first time here at Life Church to introduce you to a brand new sermon series. You guys ready? All right. The title of the sermon series is Engage. Everybody say Engage. And, and in fact, the title of my message this morning is also, interestingly enough, Engage. Everybody say Engage. Yeah, I was really creative this morning, guys. Really creative. Yeah, definitely. Engage. And what we're going to do is we're going to dive right into the scripture this morning. Then I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to unpack a little bit of what this is going to look like over the next five to six weeks. And then I'm going to give you a charge. Okay, you guys ready? Okay, let's go to the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. I have the uh, words up on the screen. And if you have an app, you might want to open up to NLT and Romans chapter 12. If you have a Bible, feel free to follow along in your own version. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This truly is the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what is God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourself better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves and measure yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. There are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given each of us a different gift for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word that it's living and active and that it's sharper than a two-edged sword, Lord God, that it divides between the soul and the spirit and it discerns to the intents of the heart. And God, this morning we submit ourselves to your word. God, we say that we are here for you, God. It's not about us. It's not about building our own thing, Lord God, but it's about your kingdom coming on this planet, Lord Jesus. As, you're, as a speaker this morning, I just pray, Lord God, you'd help me to get out of the way. Help me not to be a distraction. God, I pray that you would flow through me and speak through me, Lord God. Let it be clear and concise and quick. And everybody that agrees with that said, amen. Well, I don't have any intention of taking too much of your time this morning. But I have a story. In 2001, if we can take a little bit of a time machine here and go back in time. Back in, way back in 2001, I was a young man, probably about 21 years old, and just returning from an internship program in Seattle at a church called the City Church. And when I came back to Canada, I came to a small church, a small fledgling church plant that was on the verge of exploding called Southgate Church. And I'll never forget walking in that first Sunday and standing there in the worship service. And up on the stage, there was this woman. I'm not talking about a girl here. 
I'm talking about a woman of God. And she was standing up on the stage and she was leading worship. You know what my thought was? I like the way that she leads worship. Hmm. I'm kind of interested in this girl. Her name was Tanya Thiessen. And she stood on the stage, and I remember just observing her and watching her. And you know what my thought was? That girl is way out of my league. There is just no way that anything is ever going to happen. And so I observed her. I watched her. I watched as she interacted with other people. I watched as she served the Lord. And she had this joy that was so uh, um, uh, affectionate. It was just, uh, everybody just loved it. They could just see it bubbling up within her. She had this big smile. And, and, um, and, and, and people just glommed to her. And I was like, man, there's just something about this girl. And I just kept watching her and watching her and watching her until I worked up the courage to go from an observer to an active participant. See, I knew that I had to go from watching her to there's a time where you had to step out, where you had to go into the next level. And it started with a conversation. So I engaged. See what I did there? I engaged her in conversation. Hi there. At least that's the way it sounded in my head. My name's Matt. <laughs> And it was probably a scary conversation. You got to understand, there was nothing attractive about me back then. I was probably half the size that I am today, this way. If I stood sideways, you would lose me in a crowd. Uh, I was so bad that I had girls and interns coming up to me going, hey, Matt, we've been thinking about you, and we feel so bad for you. If you ever need any food, just go to the canteen and put it on our tab. That's how bad it was. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Uh, I was skin and bones, and I walked up to this beautiful woman, this little boy, Hi, my name's Matt. And I engaged her in conversation. The next step, I had to go past that. I couldn't just stay there. Was I had to engage her in a one-on-one conversation. Hey, would you ever go have coffee with me? She said, yes. So we went for coffee. Then I had to engage her in a date. Hey, I was getting a little more confident now. Hey, Tanya, how you doing? It's Matt Jansen here. Hey, uh, would you like to go? I got some tickets to this event down in Seattle called uh, Handel's Messiah. It's really spiritual. Would you like to come with me to that? She goes, yes. (gasps) And I engaged her in a date. And that led into about a year and a half, two years. And I'll tell you the story someday. And there's a lot of drama. And it's very romantic. And it's really cool. But at the end of that time, I finally got to stand with her at, uh, at the Pan Pacific Hotel with two dozen white roses, her in a beautiful dress, me dressed really nice, for my 170-pound self, and standing there, and I got down on one knee, and I looked her in the eye, and I said, Tanya Jansen, you're my Ruth, you're my Rebecca, you are the woman that God has for me. Would you spend the rest of your life with me? And she said, yes. And we went to the next level. You can clap for that. That's really cool. Yeah, I won. Woo! So she said yes, and to this day, I can't believe it. It's amazing. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. I won the lottery 50 times over. But I got the most amazing woman. She said yes. And it went to another level of engagement. But in order to get their church, I had to go from an observer, from someone that was spectating, to someone that was engaged, someone that was an active participant. And the, the title of the sermon series is the title Engage. And because we believe that there are some of you here today that have so much potential and so much in you that God has put in you. And we want to help you, and we want to challenge you, and we want to provoke you to go to that next level of engagement. 
Maybe you've been an, uh, an observer uh, and you've been watching, but God is calling you up to another level to be an active participant in what he is doing. In this sermon series, we're going to be practically talking about a number of things in the church specifically. We could probably do a year on this, couldn't we, Pastor Mike? But what we're going to be talking about is the idea of engaging in the church, engaging in worship, engaging in corporate prayer, engaging in community, and engaging in personal prayer. A lot of the sermons are going to be very practical. We want to give you really practical tools and ways that you can engage in your faith. Because church is not meant to be a spectator sport. I'm not up here to entertain you. I am here as a conduit of the Spirit of God to strengthen and, annoy and, and, uh, and provoke you and push you and, and, and allow you to grow and inspire you to seek God to in, another, in another level. To go from a, a, a spectator to an active participant. And this morning, here's what I want to talk about. I want to answer a big question, and that is, why? Why should we engage? This morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three points. That's it. See, it's going to be quick. You guys can hang with me, right? Three points. Three points of why we should engage. And that's a, that's a fair question. Why should I do this? Why should I engage? Why should I get involved in this? Why should I push myself to another level? Why should I give my energy to this? Why should I do it? I've got three points. And the first one is this. We engage, number one, because the church is not a building. How many know that this morning, as we stand here in this climate-controlled building with artificial lighting and a booming sound system and a great band, come on. As we stand here this morning and we do this, there are people all around the world that are meeting in homes, in basements, in factories, and in fields. There are people right now across the world that are meeting in, 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 uh, in malls. And they're meeting uh, in, in stadiums. And they're meeting all around the world with the same purpose. And that is to be the body of Christ in the world. In the book of Peter, it says this, You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That is such a great picture of the church. You are the church. Listen, this building could be demolished tomorrow. We could be in a massive earthquake, and this thing could fall to the ground but the church would still remain because you are the church. Here's the picture that Peter is, is painting us. He's saying, listen, you're actually the building materials that make up the building. You're the stones that are laid upon each other to create this beautiful masterpiece called the church. Turn to the person beside you say, you're the church. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. Let's look at this in the context of Romans chapter 12. Verse 4, it says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are a many part of one body, and we all belong to each other. Listen to me. This is something that radically changed my life. Because I used to always look up at the preacher at the front and go, Oh man, they're the spiritual guys. They're, they're the ones that, that have it all together. And I would watch them, and, and, and 
I don't know, I, I used to think that all the time until the Lord spoke to me and said, no, Matt, you're a minister of the gospel. It's not just the person at the front. I'm also responsible to be a minister of the gospel. I love it how it says it in the book of 2 Corinthians. It says that he has reconciled us to himself and he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. You are a minister of the gospel. In your day-to-day life, you have the same calling as I do. Only you get to do it out in the world. You get to do it at your jobs. You get to do it at your schools. You get to live this out in your families. You get to be a minister of the gospel to the people around you and bring grace and bring life and bring hope and bring peace to the world around you. God is working in you. God is working in you. And he wants to work through you. This is the exciting thing. We get to partner with God as he works in this world. He has chosen to use us. Isn't that amazing? He has chosen to use us. We are the body of Christ. Come on. We are the body of Christ. Some of you need to put that on. Some of you need to walk in that. You need to understand that it's not about you. You say, well, you come here today and say, Matt, I, 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 I can't do it. I've disqualified. I've made too many mistakes in my life. And God says, I've reconciled you to myself, and now I'm going to give you that same ministry of reconciliation. God restores us to a position where we can walk in that. We can live in that. And that's for every single person here today under the sound of my voice. You are a minister of the gospel. We engage because the church is not a building. It's us. We are the church. Let me hear you say, we are the church. We are the church. That's number one. Number two, we engage because it reflects our purpose. It reflects our purpose. This morning, I want to just spend a few moments camped out on that idea, and I want, to, I want to qualify that statement, okay? So we engage because it reflects our purpose. So I want to qualify that by camping out a little bit on this idea of purpose as we talk about engaging. And this whole idea of purpose is, is, is a theme that runs throughout the Bible. Um, um, how many people here they're, they're, have a coffee mug that says something like this? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Does anybody have a coffee mug like that? Plans of peace and not of evil to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. That's like the coffee mug verse, right? We all know that. He's got a plan for our lives. In the book of Psalms, it says, 139 says, he's written down each one of our days in his book before we lived one of them. God has a plan for your life. God is working in us. In the book of Romans, it says it this way. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In other words, this is what it's telling us. God has a will for us. He's got a plan for us. So our mission in life is to figure out what that purpose and that plan is and then live in it. It's just simple. Okay, now go do that. Does that seem daunting to anybody else? 
There's this big plan, and there's this big God, and he's got this great thing, and if you don't live up to it, you're going to miss the plan of God. Is that just daunting to anybody else? I mean, as a young person, that was incredibly daunting. Oh, my goodness. What if I make the wrong decision? What if I miss God's plan for my life? What if I end up doing something that I wasn't supposed to do because I miss his will? In the context of Romans, and we'll come to a conclusion, don't worry. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. I, I would say it's fair to say that everybody has a sense of purpose in their life. Whether they would be able to articulate that or admit it or not, it's something that drives us every day. The behaviors and customs of this world are to say that your purpose is found within you. That's what it says. So this, it's the Disney idea, right? When your heart is in your dreams, no, what's the word again? Is too extreme when you wish upon a star, your dreams come true, right? It's the Disney idea. Come on. If you want to find your purpose, search your heart and just follow your heart wherever it takes you. And so they do that in the world. My heart is calling me to medicine. When they follow their heart. My heart is following me to this relationship. And they follow their heart. My heart is calling me over to my passion, which is cars. And they follow their heart. And the problem is that we live in a temporal world, in a fallen world, and inevitably it was muddled. And maybe we retire and we realize that what used to give us purpose is no longer there. So now what? You, you, you don't know what that looks like. It, the, 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 the customs of this world are that you find it within yourself. But this is what it says in Romans. It says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. What if there's a purpose that supersedes all of that? What if, what if there's a purpose that is eternal, that is outside of our time domain, that regardless of what happens in your life, that purpose remains? What if there's a purpose that can draw us, that can drive us, that can always be there, that is a sure foundation? You see, if your purpose is your car, if something happens to you and you're injured and your back is injured, you can't work on your car anymore, where does your purpose go? It's gone. If your purpose is your relationships and they let you down, where do you go? What's your purpose? Well, then you will know the will of God for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How do we find our purpose? I believe it's found... There's a lot of great scriptures about this, but we're going to talk about Psalm 37, verse 4. In Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. The word there, the Hebrew word for give you, is the word nothan. How did I do, Professor Taves? Nothan. Is that okay? Hebrew. Nothan. And that is the same word. It, 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 it denotes this idea of ascribing, of setting an order, of placing. In the book of Genesis, it says this way. God set, or God Nathan, lights in the sky to light the earth. He placed them in position. So the Bible says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you 
the desires of your heart. The key here is not the humanistic idea of our desires. The key here is that we delight ourselves in the Lord. The key is that we delight ourselves in the Lord. That he is first, that he is the foremost, that he is our purpose. And then what happens when that order is flipped upside down and corrected? Remember the the pattern of this world, it's about you, it's about your heart. The pattern of the scriptures is it's about him. It's about his heart. It's about what he wants to do on this planet. And I get to be a part of it. So now my purpose is no longer about following me. Because ah, I'll just lead me all over the place. And oh my goodness, today I like chocolate. Today I don't like chocolate. Ah, what am I going to do? Ah, you're going to go all over the place. Following your heart. He says, no. The secret is to learn about my heart. To learn about what I'm doing. And to partner and to join with me and to go after me. Take delight in the Lord. And he will nathan your desires. He'll put them back into the right order. And he'll cause you to walk on a straight path. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. Come on. And we can walk in that. And we can live in that. And we can act in that way as a church. Come on, church. We can rise up to that. See, our purpose is to glorify him. That is Our purpose. And let me tell you, that purpose will never let you down. You can be in a place of sickness and loss and brokenness, but your purpose remains. You can be in a place of abundance, but your purpose remains. You can be a child and your purpose remains. You can be searching for meaning, but your purpose remains because your primary objective is Jesus. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. The key is not your desires. The key is to delight in the Lord. Practically, what does that look like? 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That means if you're here today and you say, Matt, I'm a a heavy-duty mechanic. What does this look like for me? Do it to the glory of God. Man, be excellent as a mechanic. Be the best mechanic out there. Have a reputation for being ethical and having integrity. And treat people with kindness. And show them God's love in everything that you do. And when you do a great job, say, just give the glory to God. He gave me the ability. He gave me the hands. I can do this. It's for the glory of God. It's an act of worship. You're a teacher. Come on. You teach to the glory of God. I'm raising up the next generation. I'm going to impart to them the spirit of God in everything I do. As a parent, what does that look like? I'm going to impart to them the spirit of God in everything that I do. It's for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. The key to finding your purpose is worship. So number one, we engage because the church is not a building. Number two, we engage because it reflects our purpose, which is to glorify God. That is our purpose, to glorify his name. And number three, last one, you guys did great. Number three, we engage as an act of worship. So what, we engage with singing? 
No, 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 no. So much deeper than that. The songs that we sing on a Sunday morning are an expression of this idea. They are not the idea. The idea is that there is a great God who is working in this world, who is working in your life. And these songs, it's like we push up a song to him. I'm going to use these songs because this is a really good example of what I'm talking about. We push up to him the praise, the truth. And as we sing those songs, the truth of that, it gets in our spirit. And then all of a sudden, we catch it. And now we're not singing to him anymore. We're simply responding to him. We're recognizing how great he is, and we're responding to him. That's why anything that you do in life is worship. Did you know that you related, but it's true? And we will worship something. You might worship the Seattle Seahawks this afternoon. I don't know. You might worship. That's a, that's a, that's a tough term to, to use worship with that. But, but I want you to get the vision, the picture of this. You might worship uh, your favorite car. You might worship. Uh, uh, let me explain. Let me back up here. Okay, hang on. Let's define this. Worship is mentally, spiritually, physically placing something in a preeminent position in your life. I'll say it again. Worship is mentally, spiritually, and physically placing something in a preeminent position in your life. Lest it sound like heresy, I I just want to explain what I'm talking about. It's placing something in a preeminent position in your life. That's not a bad thing to put something in a preeminent position in your life. But the order is take delight in the Lord. And then he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now let's look at this in the context of Romans 12 verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We engage because it's an act of worship to a great God, to a mighty God. And how could I but give my life to him? How could I but lay my life down for the one who laid down his life for me? It's an act of worship. I want to read you um, another definition of worship from John Piper. And this is what it says. It says, the inner essence of worship is to know God truly and then respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing God, treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God, being satisfied with God above all earthly things. And then that deep, restful, joyful satisfaction in God overflows in demonstrable acts of praise from the lips and demonstrable acts of love in serving others for the sake of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? As you get to know him, as you get to seek him, as you delight yourself in him, as a response to that, you can't help but act. You can't help but go from observer, curious observer, to active participant. So as I close today, I want to encourage you that God is here. 
that God is working in our midst right now. That the fact that I stand here today has nothing to do with how righteous or great I am, but it's everything to do with his grace and his mercy. That God is working in us, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That he is here to encourage you and to strengthen you and to show you his love. And so today as we close, I want to remind you that God has called us to engage, to step out of observing, and to step into doing. And I want to remind you that as we delight ourselves in him, he sets our desires. He orders our desires. And so today, I'd like you just to bow your heads for a moment. And as we sit here today in reflection, I wonder if there's anyone here today that says that, as I heard you, I I yearn for that. I longed for that. And I wanted to understand and I wanted to live in that order. See, there's a God. He really exists, and he loves you. The Bible tells us that his motivation is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But we've got a problem. Something has separated us from God. It's called sin. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of his glory. Every one of us has fallen short, and we've misaligned our desires. But the free gift of grace... The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That he demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet far from him, he died for us and he paid the price for us. So that today, you could, by an act of faith, become a follower of Jesus Christ. And I want to know if there's anybody here, I always want to give a chance for this. If you're here today and you say, Matt, I am not a follower of Jesus, but today I want to know what that means and I want to live in that. And I want to take a stand that today I'm going to become a follower of Jesus. I'm going to realign my desires to delight in him. If that's you today and you say, Matt, I want to seek him and I want to know him myself. You've never received Jesus in your heart. If that's you today, every eye closed, every head bowed. I want you just to put your hand up wherever you are. If there's anybody here today. you're here today and you say, Matt, when I heard you talking, I realized that my desires have gone out of whack. That my purpose has been misaligned. And I realized that I've been attaching myself to things that will pass away. And today I want to make a stand that my desire is for him. My desire is for him. I will delight myself in the Lord. If that's you today and you say, I just want to make a stand as an act, a prophetic act, wherever you are, let's just stand as an act of worship. Thank you. Today I make my stand. Mm. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus.
Father, today is your children. <laughs> We're so grateful to be a part of your family. Thank you that you didn't cast us aside. So today we can stand before you boldly, not because of what we've done, but because of Christ in us, because God is even working in us now. And we're so grateful that it was grace that even caused us to stand. And we respond to you today, Lord Jesus, and we say, let our lives reflect your glory. And let us not be bystanders, but God, let us step in to what you have for us with excitement, with boldness, and with faith. Praise you, Jesus, for the work you're doing in our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name. That was such a great word. Thank you so much, Pastor Matt. Just kind of helps us to keep things in perspective. You know, it's it's not always easy, but it's it's simple. Putting God first in our lives, that's, that's the most important thing. Just want to remind you uh, as we're closing that we have people that will pray with you. If you'd like personal prayer, if you need a touch from God in any way, uh, just come up to one, one or the other side here. We have people that will pray with you. We do that every week. We have coffee on. Tomorrow, if you are a Canadian citizen or if you have a, a, the right to vote in Canada, uh, tomorrow is the day. And I I've, I've went ahead of time because my wife's out of town tomorrow, so we did the, uh, the other way to do it. But let's all vote. Okay, Pray about it. Study about it. This is a great stewardship that we have and an honor that we have in Canada. But I'd like to just bless you in the name of the Lord right now and just receive this. If you would, please, may the grace of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. The Lord bless you.